Uh, so Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verses 19 to the end of the chapter, I uh, hear the word of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. It is a struggle uh, to believe. Uh, the Christian life, all through Scripture, is described as a, as a struggle. We're warned of the difficulties of it. There's so many things that are opposing uh, belief in the gospel, whether that's challenges from other people that would ridicule you for believing it, whether that's ideas that just seem to undermine uh, your faith entirely. So many obstacles for us to, for us to trip over our own our own sins and the pattern of our life, our own desires of other things that we want that the gospel seems not to prohibit. It's a struggle uh, to believe. And it takes confidence to keep going. It takes confidence uh, not to just give up entirely. And the whole book of Hebrews, as we said, is trying to ground us in that confidence that we can have in Christ and who he is, what he's done for us. The whole, is, the whole thing is a word of exhortation that describes itself, an exhortation to a real confidence that we can have through the gospel of Christ. 
Confidence is very much uh, the focus of this passage, as you can see, even as we uh, read through it. But it begins, right, with what? Therefore, uh, brothers or brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, even as, as the passage is kind of turning from all the things we said and saying, since we have confidence, is describing all that we've talked about so far of who Christ is for us. It goes on to how we should live out that confidence. And then the beginning it says confidence, and you look at verse uh, 35 uh, as well. Therefore, do not throw away uh, your confidence, which has a great reward. So we can have confidence, but at the same time there's a, there's a danger of losing it, of uh, losing it intentionally, even throwing it away. That's the predicament we're in. We can have confidence, but we could, we could also let it go. Life is difficult. The Christian life is difficult. Where do you find, where do you find confidence? Where do you go to to find confidence when, when things are pressing hard in on you? What do you lean on? What do you rest in? In what ways do you find your confidence maybe strong at times? Uh, maybe weak. You'd rather uh, give up. What, what challenges make it hard for you to continue? Do you just wish that you could just sit back and not have to talk to another person or have another thing that you have to do um, because it's all weighing in on you? Um, what struggles tempt you to just give up and give in? Go to where that other thing, find the pleasures that you can give from that because it's, is, is all this really worth it, right? That's Psalm 73 that we, we sang about from, from Scripture. He's, he's looking around at everyone else and all of their enjoying apart from God and disobeying all the laws and saying, that's kind of what I want until he comes into the sanctuary of the Lord. Um, what areas encourage you? What areas excite uh, your confidence to persevere and to continue to cling uh, to Christ and, and see that it's worth it? Uh, what makes you endure? Where do you find confidence? Do you have confidence? Are you resting in it? Uh, do you see that in Christ? I want to first talk about confidence to press forward. <coughs> Uh, look at the passage in, in two parts. Uh, the latter section speaks of, of confidence to not give up, confidence to make it through to the end. But this first part is focused more, uh, more positively, positively for us. Uh, how do we continue on? How do we press forward uh, in the struggle with all the difficulties that are around us? Um, how is this confidence that we can have from Christ uh, supposed to affect how we live? How is it supposed to affect how we deal with pain uh, and suffering in the present struggle? And we see the answer primarily uh, through, uh, we'll go into this more, but through, through three verbs that you see in verses 22, uh, 23, and 24. But for now we can answer that, uh, how do we, how do we, how's this confidence supposed to affect how we live now? For now we can answer that in terms of uh, words going along with those three verbs. We can answer in terms of faith and hope and love. From what Christ has done, uh, we live out the gospel in faith, hope, and love. But first we need to ask, uh, what kind of confidence are we talking about? Because right? I think we're, uh, too often we're accustomed to, when we think of confidence, it's kind of a, the, an arrogant confidence, really a false confidence, right? Uh, somebody comes in uh, boasting about a lot of things. Uh, a confident attitude, and a confident attitude can be based on the truth or it can... It can be quite fictional sometimes, right? Um, uh, and it ends up just being both. And today, I, like, I got, got my little bowling class. So I come into my bowling class today, and 
Uh, sadly, it ended up being false confidence because I came in there and I'm like, all right, today's the day, right? Uh, all, all semester long, I'm trying to hit 200, not getting there. I was like, all right, I was talking about, I'm like, today's the day, I'm going to get there. I, I, I got three digits. I was happy about that, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't close, to, close to 200. Um, right, we're used to much more of that kind of just a confident attitude, like, oh, yeah, I can handle it. Um, when, you, when you look through in the reality, when the pressure's really hit, it, it, it drops off. It really, wasn't really grounded, right? Christians are uh, maybe easily, but at least often accused of a, of a false confidence that really comes off more as, a, as an attitude of arrogance, uh, right? Of superiority, of being able to, I can deal with life better. And then Christians all too often end up falling into the uh, same type of hardship, same type of sin, and type of continual pattern of sin, or, or in that struggle they despair, uh, whine, and, and give up. Uh, despite whatever profession they've previously made, uh, turning uh, from that. Too often it's a false confidence. What's being talked about here is more than just, a, more than just an attitude, more than a boast, or some kind of arrogance. Uh, but it's, it's being grounded in a true state of affairs. Being grounded and resting in who Christ is and what he's doing for us, what he's done uh, for us. Um, it's the reality of Christ's sacrifice and his priesthood. And um, the first couple of verses that we read, you have these two uh, brothers. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, it's reviewing the things that's already mentioned for us in Hebrews, that we have confidence to come before God's very presence, his, in some sense, his, his heavenly immediate presence of the most holy place because of Christ's blood has inaugurated a new way of access to God for us. As our priest, he's the one who stands between us and God to make sure that we are accepted, uh, that his blood is cleansing us, uh, that we have freedom, a boldness even in God's presence. We have a confidence, uh, not because of the right attitude, because of Christ for us, as our sacrifice, as our priest. If we're going to press forward, especially when, when things are tough, we need more than just a boast. We need more than just a confident attitude. Uh, we need to rest in Christ's work for us. What's that look like? How do we, how do we really press forward confidently? Because it's much easier for me to just be like, yeah, I'm really confident. Things are going to go great today. I can handle this. Um, but then when it hits, I don't know what to do. How do we really press forward and be able to find that we stand uh, with some, some confidence, with some stability um, for us? Well, <clears throat> go back to that faith, hope, uh, and love, the three, uh, three corresponding verbs uh, that go with it, if you see it in the passage here, that tell us uh, how to press forward. And all three of these are, are addressed uh, they're addressed communally. Hebrews is always speaking uh, to, the, to the community of faith, as you will. And it's, all three of these are addressed uh, communally, and they're also to be done uh, continually. Not kind of a one-time thing, but to continually. Um, that we should, uh, in verse 22, right, that we should continually draw near to God. Or draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. In verse uh, 23, uh, that we should hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering. In verse 24, how that we should consider one another, uh, how to stir each other up to love and good works. But to draw near uh, with, a, with a true heart and full assurance of faith. If we're going to press forward, 
If we're going to have any level of confidence and we're, we're exercising, we're living and resting in the truth of the gospel of who Christ is. And that, the first thing that it mentions when it's bringing out that application for us is that we, that we come to God. That we draw near to Him. Right? We're, we're often weak. Uh, I'm often weak. Uh, when, when I feel my sin, when I feel uh, just hard things happening and not getting what I want or, or feel distant from God, um, we're weak. We often don't have, feel like we have the energy to keep struggling. Um, uh, difficulties feel too like they're too much, a sin or opposition from other people or things, but where's that energy come from not to keep going? When we're weak, where do we, where do we go? Um, energy doesn't come from ourselves, but it comes uh, from God. We need, to, we need to come to God more and not let anything keep us away from Him because Christ has, has inaugurated a new way for us to come into God's immediate presence even. Uh, James gives us a promise this way, uh, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. If we want closer uh, fellowship with God, all we need to do is come to Him. Uh, and we're, we, find that we find His grace, we find we're enveloped in His love uh, from what Christ has done for us. And from Jesus we have confidence uh, to come uh, to God, to come, as even said earlier in Hebrews, to come boldly, uh, to, to come in our time of need, to come in our time of temptation, because we have a priest who's been tempted in every way, uh, even as we are, uh, to come as we, as we find ourselves in deep sin. Because we have one who has uh, himself been a sacrifice to cover that sin. To come to God and to come often. Uh, <clears throat> so if we're going to learn that confidence, we have, we've got to take advantage of it. It's kind of what it's encouraging us uh, to. Uh, to continue to rest in confidence and, and come to God, to exercise uh, that faith. I say this, in some ways, uh, I think scripturally there's, we, we underestimate so much uh, this type of command to draw near uh, to God with a true heart and, and full assurance of faith. Um, that, that in some ways, there's nothing more significant that you could do uh, any given week uh, than gather with God's people uh, to worship Him on Sunday, on the Lord's Day. Um, the way Scripture uh, speaks to us, there's, there's nothing uh, more important to you, more, more important than God's kingdom, uh, more significant than you can do in a week than come with God's people before Him to worship Him. Uh, I'm not saying you haven't been let down sometimes, that you always come in the right way, or the things you find as you come to church always uh, encourage you that way. Uh, but here's what we have. We have a God who invites us into His presence. We have a God who is glorious and deserving of worship. Uh, we have a God who invites a sinful, broken, messed up, uh, hurting, uh, rebellious people into his presence uh, to call them his sons, uh, his, his sons and daughters, all his sons in Christ, to pour out the privilege uh, of his household on them. Say, uh, you can come and confess all the wrongs that you've done and, and find God still delighting in you. Uh, come in all of your weakness and find that Christ has already accomplished everything for you. Um, we're told to draw near to God in this um, true heart and full assurance and faith. That's, uh, that's not just uh, worship on, on a Sunday. There's another way you could say there's, there's nothing more significant that you can do uh, in a day uh, than coming to God in prayer. Uh, that He 
his, you want to put it, his temple, and speaking of the holy place and the most holy place, uh, his temple, God's presence is always open to us. Uh, the door, the, the curtain's been torn. Uh, the curtain of Christ's flesh has been torn. We come to God through, uh, through his blood. We're, we're exercising our faith, and as we find ourselves uh, in God's presence and sinful and yet, yet accepted, we can press forward. It doesn't continue to hold us down, but we see God moving us uh, forward, uh, refreshing us, energizing us in His grace. I think, though, at least for me, as soon as I read the phrase, you know, draw near uh, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, I go, I don't, I don't know that I have that full assurance uh, in, in my faith, or that, that my heart's not true, Right? Um, we've got all types of objections uh, to coming to God's presence. I'm a, I'm a pastor. It's my job to be in God's presence and praying and, and continually I find excuses of either all the stuff that I've got to do or uh, whatever. We feel like sometimes God really doesn't want me um, or I really don't want God. I feel like we can you know, do this on my, on my own. Sometimes we feel like God really can't help us. Sometimes we feel like God doesn't want to help us. Sometimes we feel like Got myself in this mess. I deserve to have to deal with it. It's, you know, I shouldn't even be calling out to God for Him to do anything. This is this is my mess. I'm stuck in it. Um, well, I've messed up. I've sinned. I've got to get right things. I've got to get things right first. I can't. I can't have him just sinned in the way that I've done for the hundredth time over, and now and now come into God's presence again and say, hey, God, I, I, I was just doing exactly what you told me not to do, but I still need you. Um, I need you to love me again. We, we, we have all these reasons, our objections. And you notice the passage kind of anticipates that. As soon as it said, draw near to God in a true heart with full assurance of faith, uh, what does it go on to say? Right? We feel like we're inwardly unclean. We feel like we're outwardly not acceptable to God. He says, you're, you're, in Christ, your hearts have been sprinkled clean with the blood of Christ. The true heart's there not because you've made it uh, pure in some sense, but because Christ's uh, blood has covered it. It's accepted that you're acceptable to God inwardly, even with all the baggage that you see there. Uh, God delights in you. Outwardly, body is washed uh, with pure water. Uh, well, there's a reference uh, to baptism, but at least to, to our uh, being united with Christ, so that so what we do is acceptable to God, not because we get it all right, but because Christ has a uh, for us. He's made us fully acceptable to God already um, by Christ. And we have confidence. Confidence to come into God's presence, to draw near. Right? Draw near uh, in faith. It says to hold, the next word there, hold fast our confession, uh, hold fast the confession of our hope. If we're going to press uh, forward with confidence, uh, we need to cling to what we've said we believe in Christ. Not clinging to it with kind of a closed-mindedness because I don't want to hear anything that might say that might challenge what I believe in. Um, not in the sense that we're just going to ignore uh, the world, but for the encouragement that it brings us to cling to that hope, uh, to rest in those promises. Did you ever just uh, just you know stop yourself for a little bit and think through uh, God's promises? Remind yourself of the hope that we have in the gospel. Um, that's what Scripture does for us uh, constantly, right? Uh, you know, Paul can say, I don't count the uh, present sufferings worth being compared uh, to the glory that's to be revealed for us. 
Uh, Peter, Peter talks about in terms of um, if, we're, if we're suffering for a little while, then, all right, maybe, maybe it'll end up that, that a little while, i.e. our life, our lifetime, we're suffering. Uh, but for eternity, we have an inheritance stored up for us, a living hope, uh, Peter describes it as. Um, uh, of all the, the riches of God's kingdom uh, given to us. Um, James says, count it all joy. We find, that, we find that we're suffering with Christ, that we're coming to know Christ more, and resting in Him, drawing on Him more, as we go through the hard things. As we're experiencing suffering, even as Christ has experienced suffering. Remind yourself of the, of the, of the gospel, that eternity with God stands before us, of God's acceptance of His love, of His delight in you. Um, the riches of heaven given to us in God's kingdom to enjoy a new heaven and a new earth where no matter how much sorrow and pain there is now, a time for eternity when there'll be no sorrow, when there'll be no crying or reason for tears. Um, remind ourselves that there's reason to press forward. There's hope beyond just what we see uh, right now. But there's a lot of other things that we find appealing right? Um, the instant gratification uh, of, of sinful desires that surround us that'll, that'll feel good now in a way that maybe the gospel we don't feel like we have have that kind of satisfaction yet. We have a tendency to waver. Uh, the, the, the expression of the passage we have a tendency to lean towards other things. You know, sometimes you wouldn't, you, wouldn't actually, you wouldn't actually take a step but you find yourself interested in that direction, right? You're kind of you're already leaning there. The things that we lean towards, we feel like that's going to satisfy us, that's going to give us hope. Um, but the passage encourages us, instead of kind of holding to the gospel, but, but leaning toward everything else, to cling to it, uh, to hold fast to it, to rest in those pro- uh, promises without wavering. Uh, because these promises that God has made to us, uh, He'll fulfill. He's faithful. Uh, first Corinthians, second Corinthians says, uh, all God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. They're all complete for us in Christ. He's faithful to fulfill uh, all of our hopes. Cling to it so that nothing can pull you away. Confident because God's faithful to fulfill His promises. Or to draw near uh, into God's presence through, uh, through faith and hold fast the confidence of our hope. In the third, verse, uh, third verb or expression you see in verse uh, 24, to consider one another uh, in order to provoke love and good works. Right, each of these commands have been given to the, the community of faith. You're not concerned for, for drawing near to God, but for other people drawing near to God too. You're, not, you're holding on to uh, the hope, but you're also seeking to remind other people uh, of the hope. Encourage us all to hold fast uh, to the confession of our hope. And then here as well, um, it, it's to the community of faith. I think we're, we're, we're all in it together. Um, Christian life is hard, it's difficult. Um, we're struggling together. We need one another. Um, I need you all to be thinking about me sometime and praying for, for, uh, for me. Um, I need to be doing that uh, for, for you. I, I'm encouraged to see how we do that a lot. But it's not, kind of, I think we often think of kind of a privatized religion, right? I've got my beliefs and I need to keep it for myself or in my you know, prayer closet or when no one else is around, my devotional thoughts and things before God that other people uh, don't know. Uh, this, is a, this is a communal thing. We're to be considering one another. Um, uh, Taylor's got his, his Greek and he can even tell you that, the, uh, that, that it doesn't say consider how. Uh, it, it's fine to translate that way. Consider how to, to stir one another up. It actually says consider one another. 
That what we're supposed to be thinking about is not something we can do, but thinking about other people. Consider one another. Um, be thinking about the other people uh, in this room. Uh, people that you know, people that you know well, people that you don't, uh, other people uh, that you know something of their confession, of their, of their hope, of their belief in the gospel. To be caring about one another, thinking about one another. Um, and I love the way the passage, uh, passage describes it, you know, because if you, if you get to know someone well, um, you kind of also know how to get under their skin. Like, it doesn't take too long, you know, if you have a roommate, or, you know, some of y'all are, like, giggling with one another, as soon as I, as soon as I say that, you're like, yeah, I know how to get under your skin, I can just say this, right? Um, <clears throat> that's the way the passage is talking about it. Um, but you can translate the words provoke, right? Consider one another how to provoke them. You're supposed to be thinking about the other people in this room, other, uh, other people, Christians that you know, and how you could provoke them. But not provoke them to being frustrated with you, or getting just flustered, or angry, or upset. You're to be considering what you can do, what you can say, how you can interact with them uh, to, to, to provoke them to love. To provoke them to good works. Um, I think we have a lot of fun together. Uh, a lot of us know how to, how to press each other's buttons, and, and that's fun. There's, there's a place for, for some of that. Um, but man, how cool, how cool is it if we, if we start thinking about one another, how we can press each other's buttons to, to love better, uh, to, to obey God uh, more, uh, to delight in the gospel, to, to rest in it and seek to serve others. That I know, that I would know just a thing to say uh, to, to encourage your faith and, and you mine and, and we with one another. That's what the passage is, is picturing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when, when life hurts. Uh, where we are down in your sin, and someone else can come to you and knows just what to say uh, to bring your faith back to, to Jesus, uh, to bring out of you, instead of anger and frustration, uh, love, love for God, love for other people. Um, consider one another, try to know one another uh, for that purpose. It's so, it's so easy for us to feel alone. Uh, so easy for us to feel alone in our struggling, uh, in our sin, and just whatever's going on in our life. Maybe that we don't want to tell other people about. Uh, maybe that we need to. Maybe that we're afraid to. Um, it's easy to feel alone, uh, but we should be encouraging one another. Consider one another how to stir one another up, up to love and, uh, and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, it says it's the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And the really hard things, really hard things that you go through, you feel like you're only even able to survive because of other people. Um, if you've been through uh, times like that where you feel like it was because of other people, kind of their energy or their prayers holding you up that, that let you get through the day, um, let you continue uh, to struggle, uh, to persevere. Uh, you, we need one another. We need a support network. Um, uh, I think it's kind of interesting uh, uh, when the old Puritans I love, John Owen, says about this passage that the um, mentions the neglecting of meat, not neglecting to meet together, so it's a habit of some. He he says that neglecting to meet together is uh, is usually an entrance into apostasy. I don't know the context of the passage. That's scary or helpful. <laughs> that, that we tend to, you know, that as we're leaving the faith, we tend to we tend to leave one another. We tend to leave uh, not just assemblies like this, but even but even God's presence or meeting with other believers. But the, yeah, I think there's a lot of truth there, but do you see the way the passage is actually talking about it? Why are you getting together? Why, why are you meeting uh, together? And certainly many reasons is part of it. Um, 
but it's not just for your benefit. It's not come because of all the importance that, that you uh, derive uh, from that. Uh, you're coming to encourage other people. Listen, this is in a context where, um, where meeting together might get, you, uh, might get you in trouble, might get you in trouble with the law. You might uh, experience at least some public reproach, if not, um, not some physical uh, pain and suffering uh, through being, uh, being found many times in the, in the early church. Um, it would be much easier just to neglect being there. Uh, but instead we're told uh, to, to consider one another, to be there to encourage them. We come together for one another's, uh, one another's benefit. Um, faith, hope, uh, and love. Drawing near uh, in faith, uh, holding fast the confession of our hope, considering one another uh, to provoke love. Um, as we seek to press forward, uh, with confidence, how we press forward is through these things, through that faith, hope, and love, through being in God's presence, reminding ourselves of his promise, and encouraging one another uh, in love. Um, and we are pressing forward uh, with ever greater confidence as we exercise uh, those truths, that we ground ourselves in those. Ever greater confidence, even as the day of Christ uh, draws near. It draws one day closer every day. Um, confidence to uh, press forward. And also, uh, the passage goes on to speak of a confidence uh, not to shrink back. Um, if we're not pressing forward, there's a very real uh, danger of, of falling back, of falling away, of, of shrinking back. The passage as it goes from 26 uh, on, and it's speaking of apostasy. It's speaking of leaving uh, the faith. Um, what you see in Hebrews is, we, we've looked at passages before as it, as it does this, um, Hebrews has always taken the, the external uh, perspective as it, as it looks at it, right? God sees on the heart, man looks on the outside. God sees the heart of whether someone truly believes in, in their eternal salvation, uh, we see the outside. And so this warning that he, that he speaks of, even of apostasy, is a warning uh, that applies to all Christians. And all of us, as we read it, should be applying this, this warning to ourselves. Um, that there's a danger for us leaving the faith, slipping away, <laughs> shrinking back. Uh, I'm, trying to, uh, I'm trying to get back into running. Uh, I've gone running a, a few times lately, trying to keep doing that. Stephen Rang's kind of trying to keep me, uh, keep me going. Um, <laughs> I've gone a few times, uh, a few times recently. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's fun. When you're, when you're running, you can, you can set goals of kind of how far you're going to go or how fast you're going to go or whatever. But, but one of the goals is always there when you're, when you're running is just, just not to quit, right? Like, I'm, my goal is to not stop running. <laughs> and that usually feels hard enough, you know. It's like, I'm not going to walk. I'm not going to quit the race. I'm, I'm going to keep running. And even, when the, even when I'm looking at this big hill, even when I'm thinking, shoot, now I've run too far. It's going to take me a lot to get back to where I started, right? Um, <clears throat> Such our goal is just to, to not give up. Um, it's, when you're running, it's, it's appealing to give up. Uh, you feel your body struggling. You feel the heel, uh, the, the, the hill, and you're winded, um, and your legs are burning, and you know you, you look at the you're looking up the street sign up ahead, and you're like, oh, I might have to stop up there because there, you know there might be cars coming, right? And you're kind of like hoping that it'll stay stopped. So you have a good excuse to like breathe for a second. It's appealing not to stop. Um, and it, in a sense. Christian life is that way. There's times in the gospel where it's, it looks appealing to us to give up. And all the promises that are there, yeah, but, but this thing right now looks good to me. 
Um, we're having to, to, to stop stop going to church, stop having to get up and, and argue out, stop worrying about how all these things uh, apply to my life, stop realizing my guilt and have to go before God in, in repentance again uh, for forgiveness. It, it can very easily, with Satan's temptation, uh, feel like we'd just rather uh, give up. Hebrews is encouraging us uh, not to give up. Uh, it's saying to us, you can, you can make it. It's encouraging us in the promises of the Gospels. And it does so first by, uh, by warning and then by an encouragement. Um, and uh, these passages are difficult, um, and, and I'm just going to hit on it briefly. Um, and, and if there's things with this that, that worry you a lot, please come talk to me. I love any time for you all to come with, with questions about this, about other things. It makes me feel even more useful, right? It's an opportunity for me to, me to do my job. Come to me with questions, but... Uh, but this warning scares, right? Uh, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment. Like we read that, like, wait, that's not supposed to be in the Bible, right? And like that's not the way I believe the gospel. How does, how does this work out, right? Um, there's a real danger of giving up, and Hebrews is, is warning that. It's not trying to to scare us manipulatively into, into believing in Christ, but there's, there's a real danger in speaking to us of the, of the real uh, truth. Since if I was, uh, I'm not sure how far I could run. If I just had to, had to keep running, right? Just run like Forrest Gump or something, right? Just, to just keep on running. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure how far I could go. Um, but, uh, but I bet I could go farther if there's, if there's someone who's, you know, chasing me who's going to kill me if they catch me, right? I'm going to run a little bit faster. I'm going to run a little bit farther. Um, they're, they're simply saying, listen, turning back, a full turning back and turning away from Christ is, is turning toward uh, judgment. It's turning towards uh, death, even eternally. Uh, apart from Christ is a fearful expectation of judgment, fury of fire. And God hates sin. I was clear about it. He, he's quoting verses from the Old Testament here. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will, I will repay. Um, talks even about Jesus' return. Essentially, we're either judged uh, in Christ with him covering, uh, with him covering us that we're accepted, or else we're, we're judged by Christ. Uh, we're suffering <coughs> all that Christ had to go through uh, for us if we're, if we're suffering it apart from him. Um, and it's scary the way it's stated to say, if we're sinning deliberately, right? You're like, Huh. What does that mean, this, 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 this sinning uh, deliberately? You, you see it in the passage, because um, <laughs> we all know that we've willingly sinned against God. Right? Like, hopefully we can, we can admit that. There's things that God said we shouldn't do, the times we've said, uh, and we've, we've done it anyway, willfully, deliberately. Uh, and if it meant any sin, then, then no one would be saved. Right, if that's what the passage means, if we sin deliberately in that sense, if, if anyone does any sin, then, then no one says the gospel is useless, uh, redemption was worthless, Christ's death uh, was meaningless. That's, that's not what it means. We also have other scripture, right? Whenever you come to scripture, you say hard passages we want to interpret by, by passages that are more clear. Um, you can go to a, a bunch, but First John 1.10 says, if we say we have not sinned, um, we make him a liar. and We make God a liar and his words not in us. Uh, but we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, uh, the righteous, if we do sin. Uh, uh, that's a um, when you look at the passage, the sinning deliberately is described as uh, spurning the Son of God, profaning the blood of the covenant, outraising the spirit of grace. It's an outright uh, rejection of the gospel. 
a full and a final uh, turning away from Christ and rejecting the gospel. Um, sometimes maybe it would be much easier for us to, to give up on the gospel, to go along with the crowd, to stop trying to find answers to questions that we don't know if there's answers to, um, to stop trying to, to be excluded and, uh, and ignored or laughed at. Um, <laughs> That, uh, that we can that we can look at, but the passage is clear. God will God will take vengeance. Um, there's a real reason uh, to continue because turning away from Christ and the gospel means there's nothing left to cover us. Christ is the offering of sin. There's nothing else that we can turn to, turn back from to. Here they might would turn back to the mosaic law or something, but it's, it's saying no. Um, what we have is Christ. Apart from Him, we have no hope. It gives us that warning, but it also gives the encouragement, right? Um, it says, but recall the former days. Look back at how you have responded to the gospel. It's not in a way that's turned from it when things were hard. Um, Paul went after you were enlightened, after your salvation, uh, or your experience of salvation, you've, you've endured through a hard struggle uh, with sufferings, where you've been uh, publicly humiliated, laughed at, ridiculed, scorned, rejected, how, what have you, where the, where the people that you care about with and, and are parting with have, have undergone it, right? Jesus is caring uh, for those in prison, for even their, their property being, uh, being uh, plundered, other people taken from it. He's saying, even then, um, you had reason for confidence. You, you, looked, uh, you looked instead of to your current possessions to, to better possessions of God's promises. You had reasons that you went through it all. Listen, uh, some of you have been in the faith for a while, some of you not for very long, and it doesn't have to be very long for you to look and say, there's hard things that you've gone through. Um, and go back and remember what you've endured and the hope that you've clung to in that. It's true that it's in God's word that these are the promises of his love for us, his provision for us, um, our eternal hope, apart from the things that we, uh, that we have now. There is a great reward, the passage says, and we're encouraged to continue and receive all that God has promised. Christ is coming, and we have eternal uh, hope, hope of eternal life even. It's a struggle. Christian life is a struggle. Where do you find confidence? Uh, confidence to not give up. Uh, confidence to, to press through to the end. Uh, confidence isn't in yourself. It's not in your attitude. It's not in your successes. It's not in your failures that you'd have to give up. Uh, the confidence is Christ's work on our behalf surety of God's promises in his word, that we can enjoy all that he's accomplished for us. If you're looking at this from kind of outside of uh, Christianity, well, it may not seem very appealing, right? Uh, hard struggles with suffering, uh, reproach, and plundering. People plundering their stuff. Like, oh, I, think, uh, I think I might just take a path on that, right? I hope this is good for you. doesn't seem like uh, what, what I want. Um, even, we say to them, is even during all of that, there's reason for confidence. There's reason in the midst of everything feeling, you know, earthly feeling like it falls apart, to still have, I've got hope in something more that keeps me uh, going on. Uh, confidence is the struggle, not all there is. God's made promise to us uh, for us to, that there's hope in the struggle uh, now of knowing God's love to us and the presence from Christ's sacrifice. Hope uh, for the end of the struggle. 
receiving God's promises for eternity, rest in the gospel. Uh, for those of you uh, within uh, the faith and struggling, uh, rest in the gospel and nothing else. Uh, cling to it. Draw near to God. Encourage uh, one another. Uh, rest in His promises. Beware the warning. Right? The Lord will judge His people, quotes the passage. Beware of the warning. Uh, there are many things that would, that would draw us away from Christ. Many things that, that make us lean one way or the other, um, make us waver, many things that, that cause us to start to lose our, our grip. You have to come back uh, constantly uh, to Christ. Draw near to God and find Him drawing near to you through Christ. Uh, do so uh, together, exercising our confidence. We have to live it out uh, through, God's, through Christ's work for us. Uh, the promises are real, and we have confident hope of their fulfillment. And we're looking toward And may God... Give us that confidence uh, to persevere through the gospel and all that he's done for us. Uh, we'll just close with the last verses there. Um, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while. Just a little while. And the coming one will come and will not delay. My righteous one shall live by faith. <clears throat> if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. <clears throat>